1: Today is Thursday, September 30th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman. Episode 428 featuring Forbes.com's Chris Grenham is powered by BetOnline.ag and Legends Apparel. Go to BetOnline.ag today. Use the promo code CLNS50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus. Also, go to Legends.com. Use the promo code BEAT20, that is B-E-A-T, 2-0 to get 20% off your whole order. What's up, everyone? Welcome back, and Celtics are back. Preseason's not quite here yet. Of course, the regular season not too, too far away, but training camp and all of the wonderful, fluffy interviews that you come to expect this time of year. Everybody's in the best shape of their lives. Everyone's oh and no, oh and has a chance to contend and all that good stuff where do the Celtics realistically fall into all of this we'll get into it Adam Kaufman Chris Gretham, Chris it's great to have you back on the show I'm not sure you and I together have ever done one of these Evan Valenti I know who of course is typically with us you've you've talked to him you've come on but I was looking the last time you were on Celtics beat was back sometime in February so at that point I mean, Evan Fortier was still with the magic Jalen Brown hadn't hurt his wrist yet You know, Jason Tatum's still using an inhaler. I mean, it was was a different world back then. So it's good to have you back now.
0: It was a different world. I think this is a better world now where, (laughs) you know, things are a little more situated, but it was a much different basketball world. Thanks for having me
1: on. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, Danny Ainge was still in charge and Brad Stevens was the head coach. We know how that has gone. So the new Pobo is Stevens, as people have, you know, come to learn. We've talked a lot about it on this program. Ime Odoka is the new head coach. And now that we're finally... You know, getting into camp and practices are underway. And I know there's only so much that you guys are able to watch when you're down there. And obviously you're paying attention, you're listening, you're getting a feel for the guy beyond just those introductory press conferences when he was hired and whatever we've been able to gauge from his experience with Team USA. But what do you find you're learning about Ime Odoka this early on?
0: I think he's a tough coach, but I think it's, you know, kind of there's an element of tough tough empathy there where he's a players coach and guys really like him, but he holds people accountable. And that's sort of been his reputation in Brooklyn and Philly and San Antonio. A lot of guys that come out of pop system, that's kind of their MO, but I think it's going to fit well because it's different than Brad Stevens. Jalen Brown talked about it at media day. He was like tough coaching from Brad. Isn't really tough coaching. That's just, and that's not a bad thing. That's just the way it is. Brad Stevens isn't a guy that's going to really get in your face, kind of hold you accountable Sure, you can get fired up at times, but Ime Udoka, I think, is a little bit different. A lot of guys have talked about that tough coaching element. Like you said, a lot of this stuff sort of gets overblown in training camp a little bit. Like, there's talking points, and with Ime Udoka, it's the tough coaching element. And, yeah, that is going to be a difference maker, but I think it's going to take some time for us to really tell some of the main differences between him and Brad Stevens.
1: I'm boiling it down here in in an unfair way to be, you know, just upfront. But, you know, the way you just described it, it's almost like it sounds like Brad Stevens is you know, more the, the psychological coach. I've, I've made the, the running joke forever about, you know, like he's, he's your prototypical life coach. Like if I could have Brad just telling me how to live my days and give me those pep talks every morning when I wake up, that would be wonderful. But then Ime Odoka, it's almost like it's, it's a louder version. It's more X's and O's. Like you said, it's more in your face and we'll come to see exactly what all that means. We've heard the reputation and and obviously this guy is. Is has been beloved at all of his stops. He's got the ultimate respect of players. And, you know, Lamarcus Aldridge chose San Antonio largely because of Udoka and and Al Horford and and Josh Richardson. These guys have spent time with him in other places. So he is a guy who is obviously well respected. But taking, I guess, the the in your face thing a little bit further, what does that mean? I mean, what should these players expect when you say it's going to be harder coaching?
0: I think Ennis Cantor put it pretty well following the second day of practice yesterday. He said that he's not going to tell you what you want to hear. He's going to tell you what you need to hear. And I think, of course, Brad Stevens would do that on occasion, but I think Udoka makes a point to do that. He makes a point of accountability. He makes a point of kind of telling you exactly what you need, whether you like it or not. And I think that's a good thing. I think that's a good change. You know, if a coach is around for long enough, after a while, like in any professional dynamic, that kind of grows old at times. And sometimes you do need to freshen things up and you need a new voice in there. So I think Cantor saying he's going to tell you what you need to hear is a good thing. Maybe it's little things like at the end of practice the other day, they were shooting free throws to determine if they were going to keep running at the end of practice. I covered Brad Stevens for a while. I don't ever remember seeing that. Maybe they did do that, but just little things like that, that I think make a difference in sort of changing the locker room dynamic, changing the dynamic of a team. And I think that's important because the Celtics I think had, they were in need of that following last season.
1: See, that's why Evan and I, every handful of shows or so, we don't work together. Just be, you know, voices get stale. Shake things up. (laughs) After a little while. Yeah, you got to mix it up. How much do you think, we spent a lot of time over the course of last year and into the off season before the changes, I guess there wasn't much of an off season before the changes. A lot of it happening right after that net series loss. But We fixated on this issue quite a bit. Maybe you have in the past as well. Just different voices in general, not just the head coach. You know, like this if if we had had this conversation when you were on the last time around, like, I would have thought it was absolutely insane to suggest Brad Stevens would not be the head coach of this team this year, but I absolutely thought there would be changes to his bench. New voices, veteran NBA players, you know, sort of the the Walter McCarty type more so than the Evan Turner type, as we know, Udoka played in the league. Damon Stoudemire, obviously, is a guy that jumps out. When you're looking at just the overall changes strictly to the bench, not front office not the team and depth and all of that just the bench how much of a transformation do you expect here from the Stevens regime and all of those coaches that are for the most part now gone basically with the exception of like Joe Missoula to what we have now
0: yeah I think there's certainly going to be a change I don't think it's going to be visible immediately because I think that stuff takes time with coaching staff and coaches have to you know whether you're an assistant like David Stoudemire or Ime Odoke as a head coach it takes a while to sort of instill your new practices on guys because guys like Marcus smart, they have only been coached by Brad Stevens in the NBA. Mm-hmm. It's their only NBA coach. So a lot of those habits are going to be, you know, instilled in them and it's, it's second nature to them. So those changes are going to take time. That being said, it's going to make, it's, it's going to make a change. And that's inevitable just because for the most part, like you said, outside of guys like Joe Missoula, Evan Brads, there's a lot of new faces in there. And I think that's a good thing because, The Celtics were kind of running in circles a little bit. I thought Marcus Smart's interview with Jay King from The Athletic was pretty interesting. He noted that he was pretty sure Brad Stevens was getting tired of coaching and was getting ready to leave, and the only reason he stuck around last year was for the guys, and if Marcus Smart knew that, Jalen Brown probably knew that, Jason Tatum probably knew that, so it certainly was a need for this team to freshen up the coaching staff quite a bit, and I think it's a good thing, and I think the dynamic is going to change in terms of being able to see that from a fan's perspective, I just think that might take a little bit of time and that's okay.
1: I'm going to pick on our buddy, Keith Smith, who obviously does an amazing job covering the team and the entire league. And, you know, he wrote an article, he put it out today for Celtics blog about how, you know, if there's one clear theme about this team here early in camp and media day and all of that, it's, this is Jason Tatum's and Jalen Brown's team. And, you know, I come out of that. I, and, and in fairness, I haven't read the article yet, so I'm sure he went more in depth, but just looking at how it was promoted and the headline and all of that, uh, you know, I, I come out of it and I say, well, I mean, obviously I mean no crap but like we've been you know we've been here on this show we've been talking about that for for a, a year plus like last year it wasn't Kemba Walker's team anymore it was Jason Tatum's team it was Jalen Brown's team now maybe what again I haven't read it so maybe what Keith wrote was more expansive with respect to you know now Brad's not in the picture and it's a new head coach and it's just all of this versus just these two all-stars borderline all NBA players taking that next step but I guess to to build on that, what, what I wonder is, you know, what we've heard from these guys like Jason Tatum going back to Team USA and winning a gold medal and Udoka being an assistant with that team. Obviously, we know like he's talked a lot about Udoka and he's all in and now hearing it from Jalen Brown, who is talked about buying in, he's got his full attention and all of that. Horford has shouted him out. Smart, having had experience with him back at FIBA a couple of years ago, has talked about Udoka's leadership. When you have, especially those first two, the quote-unquote pillars of this team going so above and beyond talking about their respect for Ime Udoka before he's coached even a single preseason game, how much does that filter down to the rest of the team? I think it
0: certainly filters down to the rest of the team. But also, if you were on... I think it's obvious that they're going to do that right early on because it's their new boss. Well, yeah, you're going to say good things about your new boss first couple of days. I think it makes sense. You'd expect them to do that, but I do think it filters down because those guys are the pillars and whether it was the case or not in years past, they are now the two main guys. I think sometimes over the last couple of years, yeah, it was very clear that it was Tatum and Brown's team from the outside. And Kemba Walker could say that as much as he wanted, but there was always the little look over their shoulder because there's an all-star, a nine-year, eight-year vet in there who was also pretty prominent. So I think now that they are the two voices, hearing those guys voice their support and really show that they are really, really behind Ime Udoka, like you said, Jalen Brown was super vocal about that. I think it's important. You hear guys like Marcus Smart say, it. I think it's really important, especially for some of the younger guys, but it's a good locker room dynamic, it seems like, because a lot of these vets that Brad Stevens brought brought in you know, they have some experience with Udoka. They're also bought in, but it's just a nice kind of filter or filler, I should say, to have underneath Brown and Tatum as those young pillars.
1: Let's take one quick break. Tell you this show brought to you in part by betonline.ag. We are back better than ever. All eyes on the gridiron as team's Are of course back for football season if already a few weeks into the football season and a pretty big game coming up Sunday night for anyone that hasn't been paying attention. As always, bet online, your number one spot for all the pro and college football action over the course of this season with a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props and contests. Bet online continues to be your top source for everything football head to the website use your mobile device to sign up today receive a 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit and don't forget to use the promo code clns 50 to receive your bonus evan valenti likes to give out his picks he tells me he is doing quite well i haven't checked his bank account but i'm going to take his word for it and here's what he wants you to know dolphins one and a half point favorites against the colts remember you got jacoby Brissett at quarterback for that team with two out the washington football team Favorites by the same spread, point and a half in Atlanta. That game projects to be a shootout. We'll see. I'm just hoping for something big out of Kyle Pitts personally. Lions, two and a half point dogs in Chicago. Let's see if they unleash Justin Fields provides, provided he actually plays a five team tease. Evan is watching for the Titans minus one at the Jets, minus one and a half of the Saints against the Giants. That is in New Orleans. Eagles playing host to the Chiefs with Kansas City, of course, the defending AFC champs, one and a half point favorites. The Packers, minus one against the Steelers. And yes, we can't do this without talking about Patriots-Bucks. Bucks, minus one at New England. The payout, plus 420. Just something to consider going forward. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your very favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season, folks. Bet online, the fastest, the easiest way to bet On all your favorites, bet online, where the game starts. Personally, I just hope the Patriots keep it close. And if by some miracle they should actually win that game, I don't even know. I'll 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 streak through the through my yard and hope that nobody's paying attention. Let's get back to Chris here and talk about the Celtics, though. So obviously I I I was just talking, Chris, about the you know, one of the overarching themes and that being the, the positivity for Udoka and of course this team being that that two-headed monster. But there are a lot of secondary or, or periphery type of elements to this club that that people have been talking a lot about here early in camp. What has stood out to you most?
0: I think Al Horford has stu- stood out to me most. I mean, he is very fired up to be back with the Celtics. He's coming off a couple weird Seasons. It didn't work out in Philadelphia after taking that contract. That was just kind of a mess across all across the board for that team. Then he went to Oklahoma city. They had him sit out because they wanted to lose games. So he kind of had an extended offseason there, almost like a mini training camp at the end of the year for him. So now that he's back in a situation where he feels comfortable, he likes the guys around him. He can be a, a presence in the locker room. He's the oldest guy by a mile on this team. (laughs) I think he's really fired up and he seems really excited. He was talking about how when the Celtics were pursuing Dennis Schroeder, he was calling Brad Stevens saying, you know, do we actually have a shot? Can we get him? I didn't realize he was that tight with Schroeder. It sounds like they have a really good relationship from when they played together in Atlanta. But overall, through the first couple of days here, it's very clear that he's very, very excited to be back here. And he seems like he's really looking forward to the season. I also think he's going to be a real game changer for the Celtics. I think having that ball moving big, is a really, really big thing for them next to Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. But Al Horford is the one that's really stuck out to me over the first couple of days of camp.
1: Something interesting, too, is you know all of the talk, and, and you mentioned, obviously, Marcus Smart talking to Jay King, all, all of the emphasis on him being this, this clear number one point guard for the team. That's how he slots in. He's replacing Kemba Walker. He is going to be in that role after getting the big payday, that big contract and, uh, is, is a, a very good playmaker. I think that if there's one thing, you know, people who are sort of the, the casual fans that don't watch often, don't pay attention to people that just like to gripe about the number of threes he takes or, you know, not letting the shot clock run down and taking bad shots or, or heat checks or whatever it may be. Totally undervalue it or borderline don't even pay attention to the fact this guy's a very, very good playmaker. And this is an opportunity obviously to see that. I'm very curious to see you know if or how udoka sort of reins in his offensive approach when it comes to shooting and and has him fixate more on playmaking but on the topic of horford that's another thing that was said is that this offense is going to really run through horford as as a bigger playmaker and look that that is something that was the case when he was here the first go around brad stevens talked a lot about it back then how do you think this offense is going to operate when, you know, we're we're looking at those two guys and obviously neither one of them are the two that you're leaning on for all the offense?
0: Yeah, to your points on smart to start, I think he's going to really, really thrive in this role because he has a defined role. Yeah, he's always been one of the point guards under Brad Stevens, but he's kind of been that sixth man, quasi starter, do whatever the team needs. And I think a lot of that has led to some of the offensive antics that P- that sometimes bother the casual fan where he's in there with a the second unit so he wants to get his shots up and whatever. I think now that he has this more defined role that he has mentioned in the past is important to him. Being a starter and having that role be clearly defined is important to him. I think naturally that's going to rein in some of his shooting and make him that playmaker, that facilitator on the floor. And I think that's really important for this team because he's a really good facilitator, like you said. He led the team in assists last year. He's smart at finding the open guy. He makes good decisions out there when it comes to being a passer, when it comes to being that playmaker. But I think they have a lot of guys that they can run the offense through. You can operate with smart as that primary ball handler, having Horford at the top of the key, running the offense through him. They tried to do it a couple times late in the season with Rob Williams last year. And it actually worked on occasion. Rob Williams is a really good passer, but Al Horford is a natural playmaker as a big man. And, They did it when he was here before under Stevens, and they'll certainly do it again this time. I just think that opens up a world of possibilities for the Celtics' offensive dynamic because they didn't have a lot of ball movers last year outside of Smart. And of course, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, they're not particularly ball movers. They're the end game, which is what they're supposed to be. But now that you add in a guy like Al Horford, who realistically, even at his age, is still a matchup nightmare for opposing teams, It really changes the dynamic for the Celtics offense because you need guys to move the ball to ultimately get open Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Al Horford can do that. So I think it really helps just to have the added ball movement because there was too many stagnant stretches with the offense last year where, like Ima Odoka said, you stop the first action from the Celtics and it just goes right to isolation. It's game over.
1: That's yeah, going to be much tougher enough, to do. Enough of the one-on-ones. I mean, we've right. been, it's, we've been talking about that for years. It's, yeah. it's been infuriating to watch. You know, it was, it was, whether it's been Tatum, whether it's been Brown, whether it was Kyrie Irving when he was here. It's, it's just always been sort of a part of that offense, part of the NBA offense. It's not unique to the Celtics, obviously. And it's, it's not good team basketball. It's not fun to watch. So it sort of fits back into. Again, some of the the early themes, things that they're the players are working on in practice, things that they've been talking about with all of you, uh, pace, defense. You know the emphasis on these two things going into a new season, and you know stuff that Brad Stevens always talked about as well. So, like these aren't revolutionary topics by any stretch, but you know for whatever reason, last year in particular, obviously you know defense went to hell, and it's not even like they didn't have the defensive talent; they just whether it was lack of continuity and chemistry and man games lost and COVID and all the different factors that went into last year and pace, same deal. It just, it it wasn't what you expected it to be really the last couple of years. What should we be looking for this season in those two areas? Well,
0: I think the pace is going to be up. Jalen Brown talked about that. He said he wants to play fast. I mean, every NBA player wants to play fast in today's game just because it's the positionless style of play where you can really run. That wasn't an option for a lot of teams even 10 years ago, but now it is. So Jalen Brown made made a point to emphasize that after the second practice the other day. And, and I think that's probably going to be something. I think the aggression on defense is certainly going to be up quite a bit because this team has the potential to be a top five defensive team in the league mm-hmm. without question. They have a lot of versatility, but they have a length and speed along the perimeter. So their ball pressure is going to be much better than it was last year like you said last year across the board, whether it was that lack of continuity, COVID year, whatever, it was a wacky year. There was barely any ball pressure for various stretches, and that was a problem. This year, because of that defensive versatility, the length and speed on the perimeter is really going to cause headaches for teams. So I think that's going to be the main like, eye-opening thing early on, is that that ball pressure is going to be really, really you know, pretty high compared to last year.
1: Tatum last year, Chris, of course, 26, almost 27 points per game. An all-star, you know, should have been all NBA. He was snubbed there, lost out on a lot of cash in the process. One of the things is just music to my damn ears that he has been talking about here early on. And and I've been, like, look back on my Twitter, how many times I've been harping or advocating for this. Him talking about wanting to go downhill more, go to the free throw line more, get more opportunities. Last year, 5.3 trips to the line per game. And of course, you know, that's singular free throws. It's not, you know, he's getting there for, for five times and he's, he's taken 10 per he's taken 5.3 attempts per game last year and a very good free throw shooter, by the way, if we can just get him there, seven eight times per game it's very reasonable it's very possible makes him you know close to if not at a 30 point per game guy as well I just think it's incredibly realistic it's been the part of his game that has been I don't want to say missing necessarily but it has been inconsistent it's come in those you know handful of game stretches and then it disappears for a little while it brings the average down what are the chances that this goes beyond just being talk and we see Jason Tatum getting to the line seven eight times per game this year
0: I think there's a really good chance of it. I mean, you saw the pictures of him bulking up over the offseason. Again, that's classic offseason content, but he is bigger. And I think they made a point, him and Drew Hanlon, to work on that this offseason. I think a fan a couple weeks ago tweeted at Drew Hanlon and asked him, what was the point of emphasis this offseason with Tatum? And he said, getting downhill. And so that obviously turns into free throws. And that's going to be very necessary for him to take that next step In his game. And I think it's leading to that point. Like you said, the free throw numbers have been trending upward for him over the last couple of years, but he's still 23 years old. And up to this point in his career, he's that finesse scorer. He's not a rumble scorer. He's not a guy who can bully his way to the basket. Well, he can, but he hasn't to this point in his career. When he's a Chaminade and Duke coming up, you know, as he developed as a basketball player, he was that finesse perimeter scorer. So it's second nature for him to fall back on that, right? Making the adjustment to be that downhill rumble scorer, draw the contact, draw the fouls, get to the line, that's not natural for him. So he's been making that adjustment, and I think it's trending in the right direction to have those free throws continue to add up. And I think because of his muscle gain, because of what he's been working on this summer with Drew Hamlin, I think it's extremely likely, and they're going to need it too, because this team is limited on offense outside of him and Jalen Brown. So they're going to need Jason to get to the line. And I I think it's pretty likely that it's going to be more so than in years past.
1: We've had a lot of conversation on this show over the off season about these two guys, really not. I mean, for years, it hasn't been limited to the last couple of months about just, you know, how they coexist. And I, it it, it's a lot of people talk about it. I really like now that even Jalen Brown is talking about it. You know, he was asked about it, obviously, at, you know, training camp early stages here. And, you know, I just, I made note of some of the things that he said because I thought they were so interesting. Like Jason Tatum gets asked about this and he just kind of, You know, oh, we, you know, we're, we're, we're friends. We like each other. We, you know, we play well, but that's about, I mean, Jason Tatum, he's just not the best interview is, you know, and I think that's by choice, not because he can't be. He just doesn't feel like saying much. Jalen Brown opts to be much more expansive, which, you know, in, in our position, we enjoy, but you know, talking about their relationship said it's based around respect for one another. He called Tatum one of the greats in the game. He hopes to obviously become that as well for himself. Media, he acknowledged, likes to pit them against one another, sort of a Batman and Robin thing, as opposed to just, you know, why can't we both be two great players on the same team? Um, You know, they root for one another. They can absolutely coexist. They trust one another. You know, there's a total buy-in. They're just two guys who can hoop. He hopes they can be the best version of themselves, on and on and on how much do you like hearing this? You know, I, I, it's, it's, again, it's, it's common sense to know it. I I think in a lot of different ways, like we don't have to be driving Brown out of town, hoping to get Carl Anthony towns here, or whatever it may, you know, that, that type of off season, hot takey kind of discussion that ends up happening. How much do you like hearing him acknowledge the like, look, we're good here guys. Yeah. Hearing him acknowledge
0: it is it's reassuring. I mean, I think for people who follow the team closely, who are around the team a decent amount, it's, obvious that they coexist you're right Jason Tatum like Bill Belichick would love Jason Tatum he just doesn't really (laughs) say much about anything so you're not really going to get a whole lot out of him so it was good to hear some some of the things from Jalen Brown yesterday I mean I think it's a normal professional dynamic you have people I'm sure at work who you're friends with you respect them you get along with them you're cool with them but you don't hang out every day and that's okay you can still coexist at work and be very good counterparts like I think that's okay. And I think that's always been the case with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Like they don't have to be best friends for whatever reason. I think in modern day sports, people want, you know, when you have two big dogs at the top of a roster like this, they want them to be best friends and do everything together and whatever. That's just not the case. And that's okay because they are friends and they do coexist together. And Jalen Brown's right. They're two guys who are good at ball and they can hoop and two guys who can hoop can coexist. So I think that's okay. I think it's a very normal professional dynamic it's not like they don't like each other so I think everything you know based around the respectful nature of their relationship that Jalen Brown said yesterday was spot on it was important and I think it hopefully will shoot down some of you know the sports radio dynamics that jump up that say hey these two guys they can't coexist and whatever because people do throw those narratives out there but hopefully Jalen Brown's you know thoughtful answer yesterday will kind of shoot some of those down heading into the season
1: I wonder, too, and this is something that I I guess I haven't thought about until just now. How much does, you know, you can look at all of the different things you said are absolutely true, and you can, I think it's a a good way to sort of presented in 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 more relatable terms to people out there and you know your workplace my workplace whoever's listening your workplace out there as well and and of course like you said there can be those people you coexist with well you work with them well but of course there's an element of competition in you know especially if if you have a, a similar role you know you're whatever you're looking for the the best cases you're looking for the best stories you're looking for the paint it however you want obviously but does this is the first time where now they've both got the contract. You know, now like Tatum's not out there trying to, you know, maximize his deal. Brown's not out there trying to maximize his deal. You know, obviously endorsements, whatever else, you know, prestige of of individual accomplishments, like like being an all-star, like being all NBA, like being whatever. But these guys have their money. Like the 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 financial component of it, which is so big is done for a period of years at this point, barring something crazy. How much does that factor in when it comes to, okay, Like now we can kind of take a deep breath and and relax a little bit together as one? I think it certainly
0: plays a factor because whether they say it or not, if they're approaching a contract year or something like that, guys are going to try to get their touches. They got to raise that value. And I think that's natural. So I think maybe at times where... It seemed like maybe Jalen or Jason pre-extension, they wanted a couple more touches. They were unhappy when they didn't get their touches. Maybe that did pop up at times. I think it's much less likely to do so now where they can just focus on, you know, the team. And I think they're, for the most part, the two of them are pretty good at doing that regardless. Even leading up to the contracts with both of them, they were pretty good. There wasn't too many selfish tendencies. It's just kind of people see the isolation style sometimes and they go toward the selfish angle that's just the way they play it's not really a a selfish thing but I do think that having their contracts settled and everything it does take some of those external elements out of it which is important and I think it makes it easier and there's always going to be the healthy intra-squad competition and I think that's natural because they're two guys who are similar size play the wing and I think that's a great thing casual fans on the outside might look in and say those they're the same player. They can't play together, but in the modern game, it's actually advantageous to have them together. But I agree with you. I do think taking the contract stuff out of the picture does kind of eliminate some of those, you know, external threats, if you will.
1: Let's take one last break to tell you, of course, if if you're watching the video, you can see it. This show is brought to you in part by legends brand. That's what this sweatshirt is that I'm wearing. It is exceedingly, it is, it is almost beyond comprehension how comfortable this sweatshirt is. This is not even one of the talking points. I'm just telling you this. I I slid this thing on. I'm just feeling loose, feeling fit. I'm feeling good. You might even think I work out because it's sleek. It's form fitting. I don't it's a compliment to the sweatshirt it'll make you look like you're in shape it's the best the legends brand it's an athlete-owned apparel brand that is popping up seemingly everywhere these days including of course many pro locker rooms and on some today's top athletes we're talking Steve Nash Matt Barnes Baker Mayfield NFL legend local hero Willie McGinnis I realize not all these guys are still playing but they are all involved with legends brand M Valenti I guarantee he is wearing his sweatshirt right now even though he's not part of this show he wears the thing every single day. He gets up in the morning. He takes his dog out for a walk in the sweatshirt. He gets back into bed in the sweatshirt. He goes to work in the sweatshirt. What I'm saying, Legends, is we need more sweatshirts because Evan... Just can't wash the shirt as frequently as he has been. I'm I'm concerned about him. He doesn't do anything else. It's just, it's constant. Wash the legend shirt, put it on, wash it again, put it back on. We're going to need more, more swag. Send it out. We love you. And uh, I hope that is apparently and abundantly clear. So visit legends.com today. See why athletes everywhere are swapping out their big box brands for legends apparel. Use our promo code. It is beat 20 B E A T. 2-0 Two zero 0 the numbers that is again beat 20 save 20 percent on your first order again that is legends.com promo code beat 20 offer ends october 10th which is rapidly approaching chris we gotta we gotta get you in the legends family i would love to give me a sweatshirt i'm in you see this this is what i'm talking about more and more people talking to you up legends let's get in all right we've been talking a lot of celtic stuff and uh i i feel like we can't conclude this show without talking about what is uh i mean i don't know do i even call it the elephant in the room i'm not sure that's that's accurate because everyone's talking about this and that is of course the vaccination issue in the nba now 90 plus percent of players at this point in time are vaccinated across the league not everyone for every single team i don't know how many teams are 100 not many probably the celtics are not 100 percent. josh richardson is not vaccinated i don't know if anyone else on the team is publicly unvaccinated at this point. Now this is, uh, I'm not going to use this platform to get on a soapbox and, and say like, you need to go out and get your vaccine. I mean, I'm, I'm pro vaccination with regard to this COVID shot. I, I do believe if you are unvaccinated, you should be vaccinated, but that's, that's not the point of, of, of us talking about this right here. My sort of the, the one of the things just keeps, keeps rattling around my head, Chris, is that the NBA to its credit, is trying to make this more and more difficult for players who are unvaccinated after mandating that, you know, coaches and staffers across the league and that basically everybody involved in the NBA be vaccinated. A mandated vaccination. But it can't do that with the players because the players have their union; it's a very strong union. The union rejects that and not everybody is buying in. However, what the league is doing is saying if you miss games because you are unvaccinated, you know, you get COVID or whatever it is. You can't play in in New York. You can't play in, you know, the Bay Area against Golden State. You're you're unvaccinated causes you to miss games due to market mandates or sickness or whatever it may be. You're not going to get paid. And so I, I guess just anyone, whether it's. Kyrie Irving, and this is not me attacking Kyrie or, or anybody else, cause I've done plenty of that on this show. I know what anybody else out there who is, who is either opted to not get vaccinated or is, is playing the game, which is what, you know, I guess I refer to it as the game of, of, well, it's a personal issue. I'm not going to tell you. I think that's stupid. If, if you're not going to get vaccinated, you're not going to get vaccinated. And that's your call. I don't agree with it, but it's your call to say it's a personal issue. I'm not telling. That's just dumb because we're going to know soon. We're going to know soon whether you're vaccinated or not based on what games you are allowed to play in. You know, if all of a sudden you're not playing in New York and you're not playing in Golden State and you're not hurt, we're going to know you're not vaccinated. All right. So like, just, you may as well just put it out there. If you're going to wear it as this badge of honor that, that you don't believe in it you're not going to get vaccinated, just say it, just say it, just, just, just offer your stance and say you got to do your research and, and whatever it is and move. on. I just think that it's really interesting the way the NBA is continuing in its own way to try and crack down. And I feel like a lot more of these, these players are going to, for lack of a better word, Chris, cave because they don't want to lose all that money. Like, I mean, Stephen A. Smith, St- Sage Steele, you know, from ESPN, very prominent personalities over at that network who have been vocal about not wanting the vaccine, but they said, you know what? I got it. I wanted to go to work and I couldn't go to work if I didn't get the vaccine so that's that's where it's at I feel like that is the direction ultimately the NBA is trying to force the player's hand and I do think we're going to get there yeah
0: I think you're right I, they are certainly making it as difficult as possible for these guys who are holding out and it's extra difficult for the guys in those markets in the Bay Area in New York City like Kyrie Irving like Wiggins but It's also elements of they have to get to practice far earlier because they have to do testing. They have to have a locker very far away from their vaccinated teammates. They can't go out with their vaccinated teammates. They can't. They're basically on lockdown when they're on the road, similar to what they were last year. And the players talked about it again and again, how much that sucked. They're like, it's terrible. So they're going to make it very, very difficult. You're right. We're going to find out with a lot of these guys quite quickly what their vaccination status is just because they're going to play or not. I'm not quite clear on the visiting player, you know, regulations in terms of, you know, is Josh Richardson going to be able to play an opening night? I think it sounds like visiting players might not have to abide by those same rules. I'm not quite sure. I'm sure there'll be some clarity as we go through the next month here, but I think they are making it really tough on some of these players. And I do think there's going to be plenty that for lack of a better term cave, because look at Kyrie Irving. We went through the thing with him, not talking to the media. He said, I'm not talking to the media because they're all pawns all right, so the NFL or the NBA fined him a ton of money, and a week later he was talking to the media. So I wouldn't be surprised if a similar thing goes down with players and their vaccination status, just because life is going to be pretty difficult for them. And, I mean, it's tough because if you're the Celtics right now, you're one of the teams with a decent number of players, it sounds like, that are unvaccinated at the moment, and as twisted as it sounds because it's a health matter rather than a a basketball matter, but it's a competitive disadvantage. Mm-hmm. So I think there are some guys that are going to get in camp here, again at the preseason, and it might click for some of them to say, Hey, we're going to be in trouble. If you know, we get hit with a couple COVID clusters or whatever, and we all have to sit out and suddenly we're at a dramatic disadvantage compared to a team like the Timberwolves or some of the Lakers who are 100% vaccinated. That's a problem. And especially when they start losing game checks, that's an additional problem. So I do hope for, the sake of everyone in the league and the staffers who have families and stuff who are vaccinated that some of these guys do ultimately cave and do ultimately get the vaccine. Because I think one I'm in the camp that it is for the greater good here, but two, from a team standpoint, it's a competitive advantage to be 100% vaccinated. And Brad Stevens and Emi Doka did voice that saying, you know, we hope by the start of the season, we're as close to 100% as possible because they know damn well it's, a big advantage heading into the season. If most of your players are vaccinated.
1: Well, and to that point, just to to go a step further, like Stevens obviously was the head coach last year and went through hell with this team, missing yeah. more COVID games than any other team in the NBA by a pretty wide margin. And I realize not everyone, you know, who's here now was here last year. Like Richardson was not here last year. He didn't go through it, but Marcus smart did. And Marcus smart was one of the guys on media day saying, yeah, I mean, I wasn't totally sold on getting the vaccine, but my words, not his, I did not want to screw the team. Like, you know, I, I know what we went through last year and I didn't want to cause the team any issues. And, and, you know, I, I, ju- I guess I just, you know, even if you're putting your own per- personal health aside and you're looking at it from the standpoint of the greater good, like you said, for your employer and everything else, I, I just, I respect that. I, I respect that he is, that he is putting team first over, you know, like Facebook science right now.
0: Right. And if that's what it takes to get some of these guys to do it, then by all means, put it in a basketball perspective and say, Hey, you're going to screw your team over. If you get COVID with a couple other guys in the middle of the season and they're short players and have a short bench and whatever, if that's what it takes, then that's what it takes. In my mind, I know it, again, this is a matter of public health. It's not a matter of basketball, but if that's the difference maker, then that's what it is because right now it's the Celtics are objectively at a disadvantage to other teams right now. And I think Brad Stevens and Ime Doka kind of danced around it at media day when they were asked about it, but you can read through what they were saying to say, yeah, we're, you know, this could be trouble for us at some point. And they're a little bit handcuffed because of the CBA, right? Because the CBA at this point and those negotiations have kind of given players the right to decide. And that leaves coaches and front office people in a weird spot where they can't really, really say how they feel because they're a little bit handcuffed, but I think it's very clear that the Celtics are at a bit of a disadvantage right now and time will tell if that gets solved or not.
1: You mentioned too the uh, some of the sort of unclear rules right now. I saw a friend of mine tweet out the other day. This will, you know, put your mind into a, a pretzel a little bit like, all right. So with the home regulations, you know, not clear for visitors right now, like Kyrie Irving. All right. Well, so as of right this moment, let's say he doesn't get vaccinated. So he can't play Nets home games. Can he play Knicks road games? You know, those are both in New York. It's it's just, I don't know, the whole, the whole thing, it just gets really complicated and weird, basically.
0: I had not thought about that. That really did put my mind in a pretzel. I guess it all comes down to, yeah, I have no idea. I, I had not thought about that. That's very interesting. I'm fascinated to see what happens with some of these guys when game checks come into play because- It's their livelihood. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if some of these guys, maybe before the season starts, get their first shot or something like that to avoid losing some of those game checks on the road or for Kyrie Irving at home.
1: Once again, this show is brought to you in part by betonline.ag. Use the promo code CLNS50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus and legends.com use the promo code beat two zero b-e-a-t two zero get 20 percent off your whole order we missed evan valenti we uh we love him and uh, i'm sure he will return next week of course chris grenham from forbes really appreciate you hopping on man it's been uh good hanging out catching up
0: for sure thanks for having me on adam i appreciate it
1: All right, folks, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff that I always forget to tell you about Celtics beat. You can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, everywhere else. And check out the CLNS newly formatted or newly designed constructed website. A lot of hard work went into it. Looks great. Check it out. You can see the podcast, the videos, our CLNS YouTube page, uh, even personality profiles and things along those lines. So we'll talk to you again next week. Preseason games right around the corner. For Chris, I'm Adam. We'll talk to you again soon.